Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a basic text study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our basic text, Narcotics Anonymous. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the basic text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We're going to have introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, this is episode 29 for the basic text study for the Anonymous podcast. We're going to begin on page 71, about halfway down with money as always. But first, we're going to go ahead and, and do our introductions. Alberto, can you jump on in and introduce yourself? I'm Alberto, and I'm an addict. Clean date is 10-30-16, and I attend meetings in Pensacola, Florida. Thanks, Alberto. Donna P. Hey, everyone. My name is Donna. I'm an addict. I got clean on Thanksgiving Day, 1985. I attend meetings online and in the Lane County area, Eugene, Oregon. Thanks, Donna. Hey, Jane. I'm Jane A. here from Salem, Oregon. Clean date is 12-22-79. Thanks, Jane. What's up, Paul? I'm Paul M. from New Orleans, Louisiana. I got clean on January 6, 1995. Thanks, Paul. How you feel? Phil M. Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. I got clean for 1995. Mm -hmm. I do meetings in Pittsburgh. All right. Thanks, Phil. What's up, Eva? Hi, everybody. Eva P. Um, clean date is June 10th, 2000. Um, I'm from the Mid Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous in Salem, Oregon. Thanks, Eva. What's up, Allison, our guest? Hey, guys. I'm Allison M. from Cincinnati, Ohio. That's where I attend meetings, and my clean date is June 4th of 2011. All right. Thanks, Allison. And I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. Uh, clean date is March 12th, 2000. Got clean the Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. All right, folks. So go ahead and get your. Uh, writing utensils, highlighters, basic text ready. Um, this is episode 29. We're going to begin on page 71, Money Has Always, and Eva P. You want to facilitate? Take it away. Thanks, Doug. Hey, Allison, why don't you go ahead and read that first two paragraphs for us, and then okay. share on. Sure. Money has always been a problem for us. We could never find enough to support ourselves and our habits. We worked, stole, conned, begged, and sold ourselves. There was never enough money to fill the emptiness inside. In our recovery, money is often still a problem. We need money to run our group. There is rent to pay, supplies and literature to buy. We take a collection in our meetings to cover these expenses, and whatever is left goes to support our services and to further our primary purpose. Unfortunately, there is little left once a group pays its way. Sometimes members who can afford it give a little extra to help. Sometimes a committee is formed to put on an activity to raise funds. These efforts helped and without them, we could not have come this far. NA services remain in need of money. And even though it is sometimes frustrating, we really would not have it any other way. We know the price would be too high. We all have to pull together, and in pulling together, we learn that we are really a part of something greater than ourselves. Um, so in that first paragraph, what really stuck out to me was um, there was never enough money to fill the emptiness inside. You know, I've been there in addiction, and I've been there with years in recovery as well, um, where I'm, I'm seeking validation through um, obtaining money, spending money, obsessing about money, checking my bank account, the first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning. Um, so I felt some identification there. Um, and then the, the second the second paragraph, the one sentence that stuck out, something about being frustrated. Um, even though it is sometimes frustrating, we really would not have it any other way. We know that the price would be too high. I feel like um, in my experience in service at a, at a home group level and subcommittee level, um, the topic of money is always, um, in my experience, has always been that topic that gets people like riled up. And that's where like arguments typically happen. Um, and, and I've always been um, 
kind of standoffish to those kinds of arguments within service of NA because I've always just really felt like our primary purpose is to carry the message to the addict who still suffers. And, and I just don't get like um, involved too much in like all the, the, the politics. And, and, and I understand that like we need the traditions and, and I'm excited that I'm like finally caring about this part of Narcotics Anonymous. But this whole, the money and the frustration and the arguing that happens between it, it's always really turned me off, man. And it's kind of, you know, I did, I did area service for a while and those arguments that happen in regards to money, when subcommittees ask for more money or need more money, it, it's always just, it's turned me off, man. So, um, but I like that, that last paragraph about, you know, we're part of something greater than ourselves and whenever I'm involved in a service structure, I always really do feel, feel that way. So I'll pass, thanks. Donna and then Paul. Um, I was thinking about um, what the, really the big deal about the seventh tradition is about being self-supporting through our own contributions. And that applies to the group and that applies to the area and that applies to the region and that applies to me as a human being. And, and this is one of the first traditions that I, I think I really started taking seriously and trying to look at how I could apply this to my own life. And I've never been financially stable. Um, it's not that I didn't have money, it's that I, I didn't know what to do with it. And I don't, and it is confusing to me. It's not that I can't do math, but money is about more than math. And um, so, uh, you know, coming to understand that, um, that uh, one of the things about money in a group is that the group really needs to be supporting itself. And that means like there isn't one person that's paying for everything, or there isn't somebody who's seen as the big spender in the group, somebody who's allowed to buy all the things for the group, because what happens is then that person starts to have more power. It becomes, uh, it's um, subtle, it's a subtle thing, you know? And so when we put the money in a pile and we put our money together and it becomes this bigger and greater thing that we as a group get to decide how it is spent um, and within some guidelines, it becomes, um, I have a, a friend that just says, you know what, it's all God's money, you know? And um, what that means to me is that um, we put that money in a pile we apply the traditions and the things are gonna be used the way that they're supposed to. Um, I, I guess I'm pretty fortunate in my area. We don't have a lot of arguments over money, although things can be, get you know, kind of hard. Um, uh, um, I have another friend that says, if it doesn't make sense, it's about money or power, right? When things um, become really difficult. Um, so, uh, as I've learned to become more self-supporting, the group has become self-supporting, the area is self-supporting, the region is self-supporting. Um, I, I realize that we're not beholden to anybody but our own members. So it's just, it's really, uh, there's a lot of spiritual depth to the seventh step. And, um, and when the group can't pay their rent, they can do all these things to kind of make it happen. But the other spiritual piece about money is if it's not coming in and the group is not supporting it and then the group loses their place to be, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Maybe we're not supposed to be there, right? So maybe another door is going to open up or something different is going to happen. Um, haranguing home group members for money is uh, not a spiritual principle. Passing the basket again to get the rent is, in my opinion, is not um, a way of uh, manifesting abundance, right? So that's just my thoughts about that. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm an addict. <laughs> uh, so while we started this, I had to Venmo uh, my contribution for my home group from last night because I realized I hadn't done it. So at least that that happened. So um, <laughs> it's funny. Um, money is charged. It's a charged issue. Um, it started very early for me. It's how my father told me he loved me. Um, he, you know, he didn't, uh, 
He didn't say, I love you, but here's 20 bucks. And I felt better. And I, you know, I could get what I wanted and daddy liked me and it was good. And I felt lighter and, and, and that's continued throughout my life. And, um, the, the funny thing is the tradition says nothing about money. Money's not even used in the, in the words contribution is, and contribution comes in many forms. So um, if, if you're sitting and you're just got, gotten clean and you're thinking, oh my God, there's no way I can contribute. That's absolutely not true. You know, when I first got clean, I was unemployable, but they told me here, do this, do that, do this. And, and I was a contributing member of my home group. And, um, you know, part of, part of what I have to do in my life and part of what I have to do here is do all the footwork and leave the results up. So like, you know, do my part and then don't stare at the basket. That's what I had to do because what I was doing is I was watching who was putting stuff in the basket. And then I was all kind of judgy about who had time and wasn't doing the contribution. And and that's not my job. I worry about what I'm putting in the basket. And then I put my attention back on the message because that's what works. Um, so, you know, uh, here's the thing. I had to contribute to my home group. And look, our service structure is greatly suffering in this moment. All of the workers at world have been furloughed because we there's been a halt to the transport of money down not up down the line to world and so regions and zones and areas are all suffering because the access on zoom is good but not profitable, well, I don't, profitable is not the right word, but it, the, the, the flow of cash has stopped. The basket is much more easy to just float by in the ether. So I have, I have to, you know, I've had to make sure that I'm contributing, right? Like I just did, contributing and listen harder at what's going on in our fellowship. Um, you know, that took the place of like Christmas gifts were bought from world this year um, because that was a way to contribute to our fellowship because it does take money. It does take money. And listen, I am the I'll just, it'll all magically pay itself kind of guy. You know what I mean? And that's not the reality of the situation. I have had to buckle down. I've had to learn how to manage money. And I, you all are the ones who have taught me all of this. Um, I, I came from a family where, you know, my father went to prison for embezzlement. So uh, I know, uh, you know, how to do that kind of crap. But uh, being, having integrity and managing my finances and living within my means, that was all learned behavior here in Narcotics Anonymous. And we have to do that as a group. And, and listen, what I have known over the years is I'm not the only one having this issue. <laughs> we got a fellowship full of people with this issue. And so we all have to learn from each other how to uh, be responsible and pay our bills and and all of those things and and you know and take care and and live within our means and all of that and, and sometimes we can you know we love bright and shiny things like conventions those are nice and bright and shiny right <laughs> so yeah we'll have the we'll have the 45th fundraiser for for uh the convention but we can't fucking buy literature for the uh, halfway house down the street. You know, because that's what we do. You know, I like bright and shiny things. So, um, you know, and, and 
I don't ever want to talk about this anymore. I never want to talk about money. I it's, you know, it's uh, my, my, I hear my mother's British voice in my head. Nice people don't talk about money. It's not true. Nice people talk about money, you know? And I only got conservative with money in my later years is when I had some. <laughs> so that's the, uh, that's the funny thing about it. So that's enough for me, thanks. Did you have something? Yeah, thanks, Eva. I think my comments are going to be about um, this supplies here. So we need money to run the group. There's rent to pay supplies. So I underlined that and then literature to buy. And I think supplies kind of is left to that interpretation of the group. Um, I've been a home group member of some groups where like the birthday cake for those who are celebrating that week was a really big, you know, large meeting. And so most, most Saturdays, you know, we would have some kind of anniversary going on. I was just uh, so we would pay for the for the cake out of the uh, seven tradition money, um, and then when, then I've been a part of other home groups, you know, to where it was like the group conscience, you know, was like no, you know, we're not no cookies, you know, are coming out of the seventh tradition and you know and all that stuff, and then it was like then the discussion becomes like well, what about coffee and creamer? You know, and then people start bitching about, well, get the powder creamer from the dollar store. Don't get, you know, the French vanilla drink black, black coffee anyway. But I'm just saying, so, uh, you know, so I, I think that's kind of cool. You know, if, if, the, if the group comes together and kind of says, hey, look, this is what we're going to do with this, you know, that, that supplies might be left up to, to interpretation there. Um, you know, one thing that, that and I, I think it has a lot to do, like for me, it had a lot to do with like what, like how I grew up, I grew up poor. And if, you know, and I've studied a little bit of, you know, of some of how people who come from different upbringings, you know, kind of look at money. It's like, you know, that the middle class, like, um, which I, you know, I don't know what that's like, but, you know, I guess it's like they, they, they look at money to be something to maybe invest or something like that, you know, or something and, and, and shit. And then if you're wealthy, you know, you do something else. I don't know what you folks do with that, but you know, me, like having nothing poor, man, money's to be spent. You know, spend that shit. You get it, spend it. You know, if you want something, just spend it if you don't even have it. You know, just spend it on the hope shot that you will get it, you know. And so so that's how I always looked at it, man. I always looked at it like, hey, you know, let's spend it. But anyway, um, I do want to share share this too about that. In the spirit of that, uh, the one one of the most recent groups I, I was a part of, you know, they, they were just really had a heart on it saying, look, cookies aren't a part of it. You know, little snacks aren't a part of it or something like this. You know what we did though? Um, we just all said, okay, hey, look, you know, you want to bring cookies next week? Yeah. So a member brought cookies next, you know, the following week later on the table, then the other person did. And we just kind of rotated it. And it was a way to say, okay, look, we're going to respect the group conscious, but we're still going to provide, you know, something for somebody if they come in and they want that, they want a cookie or whatever like that. So so I think that's an example of of abiding by the, the decision of the group and not just saying, oh, fuck you guys, I'm going to go start another meeting. It's like, okay, well, look, what, what can be a solution? You know, how, how can we, how can we work this out, you know, on a, on a spiritual way that we're abiding and providing? So, um, so I'll pass with those comments, Eva. Thank you, Doug. Um, so just really quick, I know it's a basic text study, but I'm going to share something out of the guiding principles that I really love um, on the seventh tradition. And it says this, money is a part of the picture, but that's not our only resource. Self-support demands action and unity. Each of us can, contributes time, energy, creativity, experience, and love. When we come to self-support, we can take responsibility for our well-being and our future. So I think that where I um, where seventh tradition comes in mind for me, I think of it's not just money. It doesn't just take um, you handing the the putting the money in the basket. People got to show up to Eric area people got to show up to H&I people got to show up to PR they got to show up for phone line and um, you can have all those resources financially but if you don't have the bodies you've got nothing nothing to offer the addict when they show up so it takes commitment and it gets frustrating I know sometimes in every area that I've been to, it's always seems like there's like the same 10 people doing most of the work. And, um, and that's really sad because in the community that I'm from, there's hundreds of recovering addicts. An area will be 25 people. It'll be a quarter of that on a good day when it was in person in 2019. <laughs> 
in 2020, it's down to like eight people because half the people don't do Zoom, you know? So, um, and not to, you know, whatever, like their thing is their thing. But the facts are when this pandemic is over and the jails in this, because there's like seven jails in Salem area, when they open, we need to be available still for them, right? And um, it's, to me, the seventh tradition is more than just about money. Um, and with that, I'm going to ask, uh, Paul, why don't you read the next two paragraphs in the seventh tradition and share on that, please. Our policy concerning money is clearly stated. We decline any outside contributions. Our fellowship is completely self-supporting. We accept no funding, endowments, loans, and or gifts. Everything has its price regardless of intent. Whether the price is money, promises, concessions, special recognition, endorsements, or favors, it's too high for us. Even if those who would help us could guarantee no strings, we still would not accept their aid. We cannot afford to let our members contribute more than their fair share. We have found that the price paid by our groups is disunity and controversy. We will not put our freedom on the line. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is pretty hard and fast. You know, it, it, it can be even in the form of the church wants to uh, bring us cookies for the meeting, you know, that kind of thing, or they want to, you know, and we, you know, it's, it's very nice. And thank you so much for your, for the offer, but we're going to politely decline. You know, we don't have to yell at them. We don't have to, we can't do that. But, you know, we don't have to do that. We can do it tactfully and nicely. Um, one thing that I, uh, I uh, this is a shout out to my old home group in Pensacola, Northside Connection. They abolished uh, uh, cakes but then uh, would pay for literature that the birthday person could give to a newcomer. And I always thought that was a great uh, kind of shift for the, at the birthday meeting, you were given, a, you could get a basic text or it works how and why, and you could give it to somebody who was picking up a white key tag. And I thought that was a really cool kind of shift from you know a person who does not need another slice of cake uh, to uh, our literature that would be helpful, you know, and, and I just thought that was a nice kind of shift or uh, adjustment to that. Um, so that's it. I, um, you know, that's it. That's all I got. Thanks. Anybody else, Doug? Yeah, when it to make two comments on this. That the line right here, everything has its price regardless of intent. I want the folks listening to, especially if maybe like a little bit newer in the program, doesn't have you know some, some experience with this. This is in the context of us receiving things, like as a group and then like as a fellowship and whole. Let's not let's not confuse that with, with the message being carried to us by the folks and like our sponsors spending time with us and people loving us and stuff like that. Because you know, getting clean is kind of like that's foreign. It's like, hold on, you, you're doing something, you know, what's the price I have to pay? You know, what, what's the kickback, man? What's that transaction? You know, and, and, and this line, everything has its price regardless of intent. That doesn't apply to that. You know, it, we're not talking the context of 12-step work there, you know, carrying the message. Then the other thing, um, and Eva, I think you touched on this uh, there. We can't afford to let our members contribute more than their fair share. Um, I think that goes beyond, you know, j just the, you know, whatever that contribution is or whatever like that, you know, it's like uh, um, if someone's really, really saying, hey, look, you know, I'll set up, I'll chair, I'll do this. And then, then it always, uh, at least my experience, it, it, it comes back to, well, fuck, no one else is going to do it. Then it becomes, then it becomes almost as like, you know, we're clean for a long time. We know the, we know the value of getting to the meeting early, making sure the place is, is having it kind of, but, but it, it kind of stings twice. It's like, that kind of takes away from from maybe a newer member, you know, getting there, showing up, taking the responsibility. You know, so maybe sometimes we have to step back and let them do it. And then and then Donna, it like that's tough for me to hear, like about you know if the maybe it is time you know for that meeting to fold. And, and then what happens? But it's true, it's true. Like the inside, my my inside, ugh. You know what can we do to keep it going? But I'm a, I'm a big fan of staying with something way past expiration date anyways, you know? So, so, that's, so that's real good with me, but, but, but I think it, it, that's really cool, you know, it's because, because like the higher power is so good that, that it's like sometimes when, when things break off like that, 
that addict goes and supports another meeting on the same night, the same time. And, and then you see that kind of lifeblood kind of get back in. So, so the, that, those are really good, good points that, that, that you folks made. I just wanted to add those comments. I'll pass. Uh, Phil and then Donna. Uh, real quick, uh, that uh, disunity and uh, controversy, um, uh, our area ad adopted, and the motion came from uh, one of my home groups out of guiding principles with uh, the Southern tradition about our primary purpose being out of balance when activities and other things are more important than H&I, uh, uh, public relations and things like that, that the area is running out of balance, but it's talking about this disunity and controversy. So we adapted part uh, into our area policy out of guiding principles, the balance part of, um, of, of that tradition. And we reprioritized our area now. It's prioritized, activities is no longer a priority and they're not going to have activities until the public relations which is part of the primary purpose is up and running so that was a good thing with guiding principles that's all i have and and that's the seventh tradition that came out of that donna i just wanted to say that um i've seen uh I've seen a, a meeting fall apart. I've seen a, a group have to leave a, a building um, or a space um, just to go on and to have something really lovely happen. I mean, really when we step back and allow things that aren't meant to keep going to, to, to dissolve, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And it's, and it's a lesson that you learn over time. Right. And, um, you know, but the other thing I want to say is I've seen home group members get together at, with a church or a building and say, we don't have the money to pay rent this week. Can we mow the lawn? Can we paint the building? Can we, you know, I mean, like contribute, do some other things. Um, and, and just remember that money is not the only thing we have to offer. Right. And um, but that balance between letting things die um uh that a natural death you know or flagging them on past uh, an expiration date can be i mean things stink when they start to go bad right um the other thing i would say to phil's point um while i agree with you 110 percent, i think activities are very important and the reason is it, um if i didn't have fun when I was young and early in recovery, I don't know what my life would have looked like. It was important for me to get together with people and not always be working, right? To have fun, to dance, to play, to eat food, to be in the parks together. I mean, that stuff was, we were carrying the message then too, right? And, um, uh, and conventions do the same thing, especially when conventions go to an area or a region, maybe where the fellowship is floundering a bit. I mean, it, it will just, um, you better be ready because your meetings are going to be overrun by people seeking recovery, right? And so, I mean, there's a spiritual, there's a place for all of that. But to your point, it needs to be in balance, right? Thanks. Anybody else on Tradition 7? Okay, Alberta, why don't you go ahead and start with the first two uh, chapters of Tradition 8, please. All right, Tradition 8. Narcotics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. The 8 tradition is vital to the stability of NA as a whole. In order to understand this tradition, we need to define non-professional service centers and special workers. With an understanding of these terms, this important tradition is self-explanatory. In this tradition, we say that we have no professionals. By this, we mean we have no staff psychiatrists, doctors, lawyers, or counselors. Our program works by one addict helping another. If we employed professionals in NA groups, we would destroy our unity. We are simply addicts of equal status, freely helping one another. Um, and I really love that second paragraph because um, <laughs> like I've, 
I have this common thing of like, for example, when I'm sick, I most of the time, if not all the time, I'm at a meeting, right? Um, once a day. And so like, you know, I ask an addict in the rooms, hey, uh, I feel this type of way. What do you think I should do? And they'll give me their opinion, right? And then I'll go and call my sponsor. I'm like, hey man, they suggested me this. And he would say, Alberto, since when does this individual have letters after their last name? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's a very good point. He says, go seek a professional. He's like, we don't go to NA to try to figure out how to cure our, you know, our mental illnesses and all these things. Is that like, we go to a meeting and stay clean, right? And and I have to remind myself that, right? That like that's what like I go to NA for, is to be able to carry the message that we can stay clean and that we don't have to live the way we used to and. And if I, somebody asks me, hey, what should I take? I'm going to be like, look, dude, I'm not a doctor. But if you want to know how to stay clean, I can keep it simple. I, I know for a fact today that I cannot, well, I can, but I will choose not to steer another addict in the wrong direction. So my only purpose is to stay clean and show someone that they can stay clean too. As far as what they need to do with their money and their legal issues, that's way beyond me. You know what I mean? So the beautiful thing is that I don't ever have to put myself in some sort of controversy or allow another member to get involved in that kind of stuff. Um, because it, it, like it said, we would destroy our unity involving all that. We already destroy enough things, you know what I mean? I, I know I do. Um, so I love that, that it says we are simply addicts of equal status, freely helping one another. And and for me, that's as simple as that I need to keep it. So that's all I got for that. Paul? Yeah, so, so tradition seven is what we give, self-supporting contributions. Uh, tradition eight is how we give, non-professionally, right? We are not going to expect something back, which is completely alien for an addict <laughs> because everything that was given when we were out there was expectational. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna do, I, look, when I was sweeping the floor of the dealer's house, you know, in this altruistic manner, I was not doing it because I thought it was a nice thing to do. I was sweeping the house, hoping against hope that he'd break me off a piece, you know? And that's, that's how I come to Narcotics Anonymous is everything is quid pro quo, right? Everything. And um, this, this way of life is you can't do that. You can't. And look, I'm not a I'm not a professional, and you know Alberto got it just right. If I'm giving medical advice, if I'm giving legal advice, run, run, run. If someone in Narcotics Anonymous is telling you what medicine to take or what to do or how you should do this, unless they are a qualified person, run. Uh, but if you come to me and say, hey, how do I stay clean or how do I work this step or how we can talk, we can talk as one addict to another. This is the equalizing thing and I should give it freely without expectation. Right. So somebody said to me a long time ago, you sponsor people where they're at, not where you think they should be. And that's what I do is here it is and that's it at, you know, let God be God. You don't have to get in there and figure it out and maneuver it and manipulate it. Um, so thanks. Phil, share with us. You guys hear me? You hear me? Yeah, you guys hear me? Oh, okay. Sorry, okay. sorry about that. Um, wow, wow, uh, good stuff. Uh, th uh, thanks for reading. Uh, I I can't help not to look at uh, look at this. Uh, well, uh, we uh, we would destroy our unity. You know, 
and uh, uh, you know all of our traditions build one on top of a, an, another and and with our with the personal uh, our personal recovery depending on the, the the unity of us I can't uh, help but to expound expound on on addicts of equal status meaning we're all equal and then with our anonymity uh, us all helping um, one another and it's just so uh, important because we do have so much diversity so many kinds of, of, of people in our fellowship and, uh, and a lot and, a lo and we do have a lot of people that are doctors and all these things now too and then they're here in our fellowship but once we get in here we're all one that that wholeness oneness and, and unity we're all equal and um um, I don't want to be destroyed. That's all I got. Thank you, Phil. Donna? Um, I, I think uh, another piece to that is when you are a professional, um, if you're not just seen like every other member, it's not fair, right? I need to be able to go into a meeting and share whatever I need to share as a member of Narcotics Anonymous, not as a, as a professional, right? As a, somebody outside in the world and what I do, it doesn't matter what I do out there. What matters is when I come into the room of Narcotics Anonymous. And if I'm an addict in need, I need to be able to do that and not be afraid of that. Um, a lot of times that's why, how come special interest meetings start happening is because a doctor or a lawyer or a judge you know, needs to go to a meeting and they can't just be seen as just a, a regular member of NA, you know, they're seen differently somehow. Um, so um, I tell people all the time, I'm not a nurse when I'm in this meeting, I'm just a member of Narcotics Anonymous, right? Yeah, I tell Eva what to do all the time about her medical problems, but I try not to do that with everybody else. <laughs> That's okay, I asked. Uh, Allison, did you have your hand up? Yeah, I did. Um, John, I'm really glad you said that. I um, I worked in a treatment center, like a, a local pretty popular treatment center here as a counselor for four or five years of my recovery. And um, I, I really struggled in the beginning um, attending meetings and having my own identity as Allison, an addict, a member of Narcotics Anonymous and not Allison, the staff member of so-and-so. And um, it, it took a lot of like navigating and I, I, I went to different meetings so that I could have my identity and my space. Um, because what would happen is I would, I would, you know, share in the meeting or go to the meeting or whatever, and then go to work and my, my clients you know, would like talk about, cause I mean, you know, when we're new, we don't understand that like what's said in the meeting stays in the meeting, even if it's read in the format, like nobody listens when they're new. Um, and so it, it took, it took uh, some time and some like um, open communication and setting boundaries with people um, to establish my own identity as a member of Narcotics Anonymous when I'm in the meeting and even outside of the meeting too, because when you work in that treatment field, at least for me, treatment is treatment and my recovery is my recovery. And I'm not a member of Narcotics Anonymous when I'm at work, I'm at work getting a paycheck, but when I'm a member of NA, I'm participating in my own recovery. And those lines can get blurred a little bit um by other people because you know when we get here we just don't understand that and we don't understand the importance of those two separate lives and um a lot of times i i would get you know just bombarded at meetings hey i'm trying to get in there to detox or i'm trying to do this and i'm like whoa like not my circus not my monkeys right now you know like call the treatment center not me um so i'm really glad you said that donna thanks Uh, Jane, why don't you go ahead and read the next couple of paragraphs? I think, how about three? Next three. Okay. Recognize and admire the professionals. Many of our members are professionals in their own right, but there's no room for professionalism in NA. A service center is defined as a place where NA service committees operate. The World Service Office or local, regional, and area offices are examples of service centers. A clubhouse or halfway house 
or similar facility is not an NA service center and is not affiliated with NA. A service center is very simply a place where NA services are offered on a continuing basis. The tradition states service centers may employ special workers. This statement means that service centers may employ workers for special skills, such as phone answering, clerical work, or printing. Such employees are directly responsible to a service committee. As NA grows, the demand for these workers will grow. Special workers are necessary to ensure efficiency in an ever-expanding fellowship. Um, I think it, it, the part that I'm reading mostly out of that is that when it's um, the service centers, they're working within the traditions and traditions and the guidelines and the principles of Narcotics Anonymous. And when we're not doing that, we are being paid. Uh, it's a personal gain and we, they don't have to and don't quite often have any connection with the traditions and the spiritual principles of the program. Uh, and I know that especially when you're fairly new, you can get really confused between NA and the clubhouse. And uh, my own experience was that, that I knew no difference between one or the other. And uh, I just knew it was a safe place to be. And it was a safe place for me for a long, long time. Um, and then it became an unsafe place for me. And uh, it seems sometimes as you grow, those things that work in the first little while don't always work in later on in, the, in recovery. But I think it's an important distinction to note that as volunteers, we're still having to work within the traditions, uh, whether we're uh, answering the phone or printing. Um, that's the uh, little uh, gray area that comes up quite often in my area uh, when we're doing printing uh, and self-supporting and not necessarily printing at the office after hours yeah, kind of thing. So it seems like a simple little thing, but it can grow very quickly into banners getting uh, uh, discounted at my work instead of paying full price, you know, and, uh, and then running into problems or uh, going conventions and uh, not paying for the registration of, which defers costs, but go ahead and spend the money on the merchandise. So that, yeah. So, um, and I was like, Paul, I can sit in a meeting and, and watch who puts in money into the, the basket and who doesn't put in the basket um, or puts in too much. Uh, I think as volunteers, we can work very hard at doing a particular job and then uh, something comes vacant. And so we take on that job and then we take on another job and then we take on another job and pretty soon we're running the whole show. And, um, and not only is that hard on the ego, but it's, it's also hard on allowing other people to contribute to a group. Um, yeah, so, and I can be very much like that where yeah, I'll take this on, I'll take this on, I'll take this on. And even my intent that we talked about a little earlier where my intent is good, but um, the end result is it's not only damaging to the group and the members that need their contributions too, but it's also bad for me because uh, eventually I'm so busy helping and holding positions and working for the good of Narcotics Anonymous, I just run out of time. And now I can't do steps and I can't meditate and I can't go to the regular meetings either because I'm busy. I'm very busy. And uh, when you get too busy for God and your own personal recovery, you're in danger. That's enough out of me. Thanks. Thank you, Jane. Anybody else on these three paragraphs? Doug, why don't you read the last two paragraphs of Tradition 8 for me? Sure. The difference between professionals and special workers should be defined for clarity. Professionals work in specific professions that do not directly service NA but are for personal gain. Professionals do not follow the NA traditions. Our special workers, on the other hand, work within our traditions and are always directly responsible to those they serve to the fellowship. In our eighth tradition, we do not single out our members as professional. Uh, by not placing professional status on any member, we ensure that we remain forever non-professional. Just my comments are, are um, always kind of just boil this down to really is like, uh, <clears throat> I can't get paid for doing 12-step work, you know? And so and so that's kind of like how, how this boils down. It makes it easy for me to understand. But, but folk can um, get paid to make it possible for the for the 12 step work to take place. And so I think, I think that, you know, that for me, that draws that, that clear line. And, and one of the, the biggest 
ways that I look at this and kind of just settles it in my spirit because I, I Allison, same as you, for a little while, it wasn't for years like you had said, but but for a few months, I was a, a tech at a at an institution too. Um, to, so I was getting paid to kind of just like, not babysit, but like kind of babysit, you know, just to hang out there, right, you know, and then like take them to Walmart so they could steal a little bit of shit, you know, and I was kind of envious that I wasn't stealing the shit, you know, too. but anyway. Um, but I, I don't know, man, I don't know how that, that like set with me, you know, so like the first chance I had you know, I just, I just kind of left that. And so I don't know, I don't know if that crosses the line of getting paid for 12 step work or not. I just don't know. I don't know like where I'm at with that, you know, but one, one thing I, I do, like I, I can see this boiled down is when we have speakers who are, um, they're not paid, not paid money to speak, but the registration is paid for their meals are paid for and the hotel room is paid for. And I know that may, you know, th this may be one of you folk here might be me or something, you know, whatever. I think it's okay though, you know, if I look at it with this tradition, I, I think it's okay because like what that's doing is providing a word for 12 step work that took her. I don't think it's payment for the speaking, but I do think it's a way to say, okay, look, if you're traveling, if you're doing this and you're doing that, the individual might say, hey, let me do it on my own dime. But sometimes that's not possible or whatever, you know, whatever it is. So I think, I think that kind of falls within that tradition there is saying, all right, I'm getting a lot of hand signals here. I'm not sure if you guys are with me or not. So I'll let you, you know, come in, come in and comment here in a moment. But, but it's like that that's how I see it. So so I'm not going to, to accept money, you know, to 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 do 12 step work, you know, but um uh but to make it possible, I think I think that's that's the you know, that's how we can kind of navigate and just stay within the tradition here. So I'll go ahead and pass. Thanks, Doug. Uh, Paul, and then Phil. I, I agree. Uh, what I think all of those things that are payments is to allow someone who does not have the ability to pay for that to uh, to be a speaker. So that's that's what I yeah that's the level playing field so that anybody can be a speaker, not just those that can afford to pay their way to uh, conventions. So I I support that. However, here's the here's two things that came. I um I had a sponsor for 14 years who was a therapist, and he used to say, "Do not confuse the business of recovery with recovery." And uh, he said they they share some things, but they are not the same. And his his take on that was, if I'm driving the guys to the to the meeting. I am not an attendant at the meeting. I am a chauffeur. And do not think that just because I've driven these people to the meeting that I have now fulfilled my attendance at a meeting because I'm working at that point. I'm keeping up with these people. Are they here? Are they at? Doesn't mean that he can't sit in the meeting and gain something from it. But his point was that so many people get into the business of recovery and think that is recovery. And so that it was a very, he was very kind of warning about that, just a, the warning of that. And I think that's a, a valid thing because so many of us get clean and get into the business of recovery. I, I understand that. The, the thing that um, is to me about this non-professionalism is that when in the guiding principles, one of the spiritual principles listed there is stability. Now I had never seen the spiritual principle of stability in all of my years and all of my writing about spiritual principles. And I, and I did some work on it and I did some thought. Professionals are in the business world and by nature of business, there are ups and downs. There's you know, there's boom times and bust times. That's the nature of business. We are not a business. Our lives cannot be subject to the vagaries of business. We can't be in boom times and we can't be in bust times. We have to be steady, stable all the time. And that's what this talks to is that this has to be all the time. Not when, not when there's a big meeting and we're making big bucks in the collection, but when there's three people in the meeting and we can barely make the rent. We have to have that kind of stability. 
And, uh, and that's the important part here because you know, money, property, and prestige are the things that trip us up. And that's not what NA is about. We're not about money, property, or prestige. We're about some kind of stable therapeutic value of one addict helping another. That's where the value comes in. Not how much we collected or not how much we're charging for this person to be in charge. We're not, you know? And all of our workers are answerable to somebody else who is not being paid, a group, a committee. So thanks. Thank you, Paul. How about you, Phil? Phil? No? Can you hear Donna? me? Yes. Um, I, I do like this tradition. One of the things that and I'll be real quick, what I, I'm thinking about is is in our, our region, we do have a, a regional office, you know, that is funded by uh, uh, the, um, the the home groups in the areas and things in our region. And we do have a um, special worker that's at the office. And uh, we do have professionals there that do work uh, at the regional office, you know, meaning if the convention is going on with uh, T-shirts, this and that and the other thing, and uh, they are they are professionals. Uh, uh, but the special worker, um, uh, it does say that, that uh, the profession do not have to follow any tradition, you know, if they're printing something or like whatever for our conventions or retreats or like whatever. But the special worker, on the other hand, uh, does have to uh, follow our traditions and our policies and and things like that so there is a difference and then the last thing i want to say is it says that uh, uh professionalism uh has no place uh in narcotics synonymous that's all i got and and uh you know what i just i maybe and paul you guys spoke to this already i just want to say it out loud i worked in the treatment field for many years as a nurse and as a counselor and um it the recidivism relapse is enormous in that field and the reason is because people stop they become a professional rather than a member and it's very very dangerous and I saw it happen over and over again. And I worked in a, um, a detox. And if anybody's hearing this that worked in that detox with me, I'm going to apologize for what I'm going to say, but you've heard me say it before, um, that it was one of the most toxic environments I'd ever worked in because there were all these people that were clean. And so very few of them were working a program. They weren't going to meetings. They were just professionals. And it, and it was ugly and it was dangerous. Um, to the individuals, not the people got, you know, the people who were detoxing were doing fine. I mean, they don't know any difference, right? But um, but for the, the, as far as an environment, it was really bad. And so um, when I was a counselor and needed to go to meetings, I started a meeting where we basically, it was a one hour meeting when there weren't hour meetings. It was a one hour meeting. We started reading out of It Works How and Why. It was a brand new book, which took almost all of the meeting. Uh, we didn't celebrate birthdays. And, uh, and what else did we do? And so I kind of figured if uh, one of my clients showed up there and they kept coming back there, they had to be serious about their recovery because we weren't there doing a bunch of social stuff, right? We were there studying about recovery, right? So I just would say, if you are a person in recovery, how when we get about two, three years clean, we all gonna be counselors, right? Be careful of your recovery. It is the most precious thing you have. And for me in my life today, there is nothing more important to me in my recovery and certainly not any job. Um, so just please be careful. Thank you, Donna. Anybody else on the rest of eight or should we go ahead and just read tradition nine in the first paragraph? Okay. Uh, my name's Eva, I'm an addict. Um, tradition nine, NA as such never be organized, but we may create create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. This tradition defines the way that our fellowship functions. We must first understand what NA is. Narcotics Anonymous is addicts who have 
the desire to stop using and have joined together to do so. Our meetings are a gathering of members for the purpose of staying clean and carrying the message of recovery. Our steps and traditions are set down in this specific order. They are numbered, they are not random and instructed. They are organized, but, but this is not the type of organization referred to in the ninth tradition. In this tradition, organized means having management or control. On this basis, the meaning of tradition nine is clear. Without this tradition, our fellowship would be in opposition to spiritual principles. A loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience, is our ultimate authority. So um, I know that for me, when I had, I don't know, a few years clean um, and was starting to get interested in service work outside of my home group, um, meaning area, right? Because that's like the next step, generally. Um, I always thought that whoever was chair must know everything when I was new. I really did. I thought they must know everything because they're running the show here. And um, here's all these groups coming together and they're kind of answering like, he's, you'd have to see the guy. I mean, and he's still in our area and he still becomes chair every once in a while. And um, he's loud and boisterous. And that was who I saw. And that's who I thought was the leader, right? Because I thought everything, every every organization had to have a leader, right? Voted in leader, and he was voted in. So uh, I really thought that for a long time. And um, but he would be the first one to tell you that um, autonomous that groups are autonomous, and he'll fight for it tooth and nail. Let me tell you. And um, so it's it gets confusing. I think when I was it was confusing for me when I was new because I I always. I guess I always thought because my dad was like the leader of our household. And so I always looked up to, you know, men in that way, like they're the leader. I just need to listen to them. Although I was very rebellious. So don't think I, I did what they said. I just listened to what they had to say most of the time and then went, I could do it better. So um, not true always either, but um, <laughs> that's how I roll. So, um, and I think that this is, um, one of the, I think this tradition is when things kind of go awry, which they often do because you get a bunch of addicts in the same room, um, everybody kind of falls back on ought never be organized because <laughs> we aren't always very organized. <laughs> it's like, well, we'll see if God's going to make it turn out right because uh, we didn't really do a great job of planning here. Um, and usually God does show up and it works out just fine. So, um, I think this uh, tradition takes a lot of surrender. So, um, Allison, did you have your hand up? Oh, anybody? We got about three minutes left. Donna and then Phil. I just want to share something funny. When I had about three years clean, I was the chairperson of our area. It was so crazy, right? And uh, um, uh, there was a local uh, agency that was printing these uh books of resources and they listed the narcotics anonymous resource the president was me <laughs> so i was officially the president of narcotics anonymous just so y'all know <laughs> okay phil you want to uh finish it out for us tonight Unmute yourself here. Phil, we can't hear you. Hear me? You guys hear me? Oh, okay. Thumbs up. Sorry about that. Uh, real quick, uh, I use that as a cop out. Uh, lately, people have been asking me this and the other thing, and I just said, you know, we're not all that organized anyway. You know, just get out of my face. But um, but I, I do like it talks about that uh, one ultimate authority. And a lot of things uh, uh, I will just uh, just use the literature and, and go, go to literature. If you don't see it in our literature, 
Um, we're, we're not allowed to organize it. It ain't all that big deal. Nobody's going to tire and feather you because you picked up a key tag uh, an extra day or something. I don't know. That's all I got. Thank you, Phil. So I'm going to go ahead and finish this out tonight with the, um, the last of Tradition 9. The ninth tradition goes on to define the nature of the things that we can do to help NA. It says that we may create service boards or committees to serve the needs of the fellowship. They exist solely to serve the fellowship. This is the nature of our service structure, and it has evolved and been defined in the NA service manual. I want to go ahead and thank everybody for sh uh, showing up tonight and your uh, wonderful input. Donna, thank you for the story. The president of Narcotics Anonymous is among us, you guys. Sure she is. Thank you. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so with. Tune in next time as we'll pick up where we left off. We'll chunk these in hour-long sessions. Namaste and God bless.